Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. And U Street. Hey y'all. It is officially homecoming week, everyone. Congratulations. Uh, Gophers are 4 0, and they are facing the fearsome beast that is Illinois. I know we are all terribly, terribly afraid of Illinois, although perhaps we should actually be afraid given what happened last season. Fighting lovies. Oh, God. Uh, thankfully, Rob Smith is no longer the defensive coordinator for the University of Minnesota, and Illinois still remains. Not great, as far as we can tell. I'm Street, I'm looking for you to expand on that. Since the offense from Illinois is what caused Minnesota all the pain last year, should we be expecting a shootout now that the Gophers can also score points? I don't know necessarily if we should be expecting a shootout. Illinois has offensive options. The most obvious would be their running back, Reggie Corbin. If you do not remember Reggie Corbin, I suspect that he haunts Rob Smith's nightmares because he was extensive, extensive all over the field, scoring every which way against uh, Rob Smith's horrific defense last year. Don't worry, when this preview drops, which our colleague Iowa Gopher has done, you will get to see this in GIF footage, Reggie Corbin running through untouched many, many yards and scoring touchdowns. So that's that's not ideal. Admittedly, I think that the Gophers' defense is substantially better under Joe Rossi than it was under Rob Smith, and I say this because I'm a person with eyes. There we are. Do I think that do I think that there's going to be a shootout? I don't know. Do I think that the Gophers should worry about Illinois? Absolutely. I don't think that the University of Minnesota is good enough that they can afford to not worry about any team. Do I think that this is a game that the Gophers should expect to win? Absolutely. And I think they should expect to win it by yeah, probably double-digit points, in part because the Illinois secondary is terrible. <laughs> Real bad. Uh, they've lost key contributors. They also are uh, missing key pieces. I don't think that... Has Levy fired himself again as the defensive coordinator? Eesh, I uh, Can I say I haven't cared enough to know? I mean, that's a fair assessment. I feel like he might have. It's a hard-hitting take from this podcast. Point being, the Illinois defensive coordinator seems to be a relatively rotating position. Uh, Minnesota is really good at throwing the ball to its wide receivers. The open question this year has been, will they do that enough? And I think against a team which has a lot of challenges in the secondary, Rashad Bateman, Tyler Johnson, Chris Ottman-Bell, Demetrius Douglas, and potentially a fifth receiver to be named later, should all do very well. Uh, The Illinois defensive line is really good. Uh, Well, really good might be pushing it a little bit. (laughs) But they have good pieces and in particular uh they have a transfer defensive end uh olue betiku jr and i sincerely apologize to him because there's no way that's how he actually pronounces his name and that's 100 percent on me i need to change my best and do a better job with pronunciation he however is ridiculously good at tackling people in the backfield he's got 10 and a half tackles for loss this year 
seven sacks and two fumble recoveries. That is something that's going to be quite dangerous. I think he'll be the biggest challenge that Minnesota's defensive tack or offensive tackles have faced all season, especially if Illinois starts stunting. A player like that could get open in the backfield regularly. That could be a challenge. The Gophers will definitely need to run the ball a little bit this game. I think they should be passing a lot given the secondary problem, but they're going to need to run the ball. And when they run the ball, Illinois, I think, has at least an okay defensive line. They have some okay linebackers they can make this game challenging that doesn't mean the Gophers should win my prediction already stated is I think they should win this game by double digit points but it is kind of (laughs) trappy Illinois strikes me as a really big trap game and it is certainly possible that this defense can force enough turnovers or do something weird that this game is closer than we would like it to be in which as I've continued to say all season if you are a neutral fan could be a lot of fun if you are a partisan, perhaps less so. Andy, are you are you seeing a trap game? Well, I think the thing that concerns me the most about, obviously, I think the best outcome for the Gophers would be, uh, you know, to exploit that poor Illinois secondary and let Tanner Morgan use the, uh, you know, unbelievably good Gopher receiving core to, to just march down the field. The trick with that is uh, the game time weather doesn't exactly uh, allow itself to be a great passing game, considering we're looking at a 90% chance of rain, 57 degrees, and a 15 to 20 mile per hour wind coming out of the north. Uh, That's not exactly uh, great passing weather. So Minnesota is going to have to establish the run, and they're going to have to do better than they have the last few games. Um, You know... uh, Minnesota hasn't gotten that that good push from their offensive line that I think we've expected all season long, and and they did an okay job at pass protection uh, last weekend in West Lafayette, but it still could have improved quite a bit. Um, while while Tanner Morgan only threw one incompletion, he threw that one incompletion because he was about to die, uh, and he was sacked a couple other times. So, um, you know, I I do think this is a game that if if everything goes well for Illinois, they can definitely make it close, and they do have a very good running game, uh, something that I think Minnesota has struggled at times to stop through four games so far this season. So um, if the cards align, yeah, it definitely could be a trap game. Now I think P.J. Fleck has been harping on these guys all week, uh, reminding them what exactly happened last year in Champaign, so I don't think Minnesota will come in sleeping on the Illini, um, but they're going to have to execute if they're going to want to win this game at least semi-comfortably or even, you know, by a possession in the end of the fourth quarter. See, what's really interesting for me is that I'm extremely calm about this game. I don't, and I, I, I say that while actually expecting that Minnesota will go ahead and, you know, only win by seven points again because, we seem to be contractually obligated to entertain uh, the masses this year with making it close. Um, but at the same time, I really don't, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's going to be bad. Like, sure, it might be closer than we'd like, but I just, I don't know. It feels, maybe it's because it's just Illinois. Maybe I have a hard time, like, in my head letting myself be worried about Illinois, but I'm just not worried about Illinois. And that's not to say I think Minnesota is incapable of losing this game. I mean, Street, you and Andy have both covered exactly why that's possible, but I don't know. Just just not stressing. 
just just not stressing about the fighting loveys. I mean, he has he has a tremendous beard, and there's got to be power in that beard. I, I know, um, but I don't know. I'm just not worried about it. I think Flag might start to be growing a little bit of a beard as well. Maybe he's trying to sap some of that beard energy from Lovey. It'd be really hard to sap the energy out of Lovey's beard. I mean, that's it's a fine beard. One of the best. I mean, that's it's not like scruffy kill good. Like it's thicker and more majestic than scruffy kill. But the scruffy kill had the slightly like like I don't know Hixie outdoorsman thing going on. Um, but it's it's the whiteness. The whiteness is majestic. Certainly one of the better. I mean, it's 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 almost as powerful as Mike Gundy's mullet, which I think is saying a lot. Um, I don't. I have a hard time finding things to talk about Illinois because, like, it's just Illinois to me. Like, is there anything that interests you? Like a matchup that interests you most about this game? I think really what interests me is what will happen in potentially one to four years when all of the players have the ability to get compensated for their likenesses. Will any player on Illinois get paid for theirs? (laughs) There are a lot of people freaking out about this, and I have no idea why. I really do not understand why people are freaking out about the the likeness uh, bill that just passed. Uh, to kind of back up, if you're not s- caring or paying attention, just a quick summary for you. California uh, just signed into law a bill that forbids colleges in the state of California from preventing student-athletes at those schools from profiting from their likeness uh, in commercial settings. So, in other words, if you want to go advertise on a commercial as an NCAA athlete in the state of California, you are now legally allowed to do so and sign a contract and make money on the side. Uh, There's some limitations to this. You aren't allowed to sign contracts or do endorsements that uh, preempt or conflict with your school's existing contracts. So example, if you're a Nike school, you as a player can't go out and endorse Adidas, for example. But... In general, you have a lot of latitude as to what you're allowed to, to, to shell or shill for, I should say. And there's a lot of people out there who are just freaking the F out, just saying this is the end of college athletics and the rich will get richer. And I'm just laughing because the rich are already really rich. There's no parity in college football as a general rule. And... I mean, like it's it. I think it's also interesting to hear Minnesota fans freak out about it because, like Minnesota, we're not winning a national title in football. It's just not going to happen. Like Minnesota's never going to have the players to do that. So I don't even worry about it. I want to see Minnesota succeed at the level that's reasonable for Minnesota to succeed at. And there's nothing in this bill that prevents that from happening. Oh, oh my God, Ohio State, they're going to get the best players. They already get the best players. It, that's not changing just because a car dealer in Columbus is going to have the star quarterback come in and pay him to do a, a, a drive time ad. Like, that's just, that's there's no way. They already get the best players because, one, they're a more successful program, and two, they've got boosters who are already handing out money hand over fist anyway. 
And I mean that for any big school, like any of the really big wig schools are already buying players, either intentionally or it's happening off to the side with a wink and a nod. It doesn't matter. Minnesota's bagmen aren't good enough. We don't really seem to have any anyway. This changes nothing, in my opinion. Can you imagine how bad the car commercials for student-athletes are going to be? I want to see Casa de Autos down in New Mexico State. I want to see them do an ad with one of their players. That's what I want to see. I mean, it's, it's the thing that's always sort of amazing to me about those kinds of sponsored ads. Even at the professional level is I don't necessarily know why you would want to shop at, I don't know, Maurer Chevrolet because Joe Maurer also like shops there. When, of course, A, he doesn't. He's getting compensated in order for doing it. That kind of product placement never made a lot of sense to me. But in addition, basically every ad with a professional athlete who sans, I think, like five of them are the most stilted delivery on the planet. In no way do they look like they're comfortable being there. They don't seem natural at all. Now imagine that being like the 19-year-old running back for, I guess, N University of California, Los Angeles University. I mean, but think of it this way. The rest of us get to watch it over and over on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of great ads that will live on forever in YouTube. I would just, I'll only make one comment on this that may have like a couple of subpoints, but it's really just one big comment. One of the things that is consistently annoying to me when there's discussions of, related to the NCAA is the idea that the NCAA does things independently of. If we're being real honest, the Power 5 schools, but if we're being incredibly honest, about uh, 20 of the Power 5 schools. This is the same thing that is confusing and annoying to me when people blame, like, Roger Goodell or the, you know, the commissioner's office for the NFL when there's something about teams, when the commissioner is clearly just a front for owners. The NCAA is a front. I mean, it's an institution, not a front per se. It's an institution that polices and provides cooperation between Power 5 athletic schools. The reason why players cannot have their likenesses and use them currently like other things is not specifically because of the NCAA, though obviously it's an NCAA bylaw. It is because the Power 5 schools do not want their players to have these kinds of likenesses, to be able to make these kinds of contracts. That's just a normal thing. And every time people give flack at the NCAA or talk about how the NCAA is corrupt or the NCAA is in shambles, they're ignoring that the only reason the NCAA exists is to benefit Power 5 schools. And that's frustrating to me sometimes, I mean always, but it's sometimes particularly frustrating to me because the conversation about player compensation sort of makes it appear often, and this is an example of it, that it's the NCAA's fault that players aren't getting paid in some sense. Never mind what that would look like. I mean, that's a separate question entirely, of course. But the People who pay the players is not the NCAA. It's not like there's going to be some like weird pot of money and the NCAA is cutting checks. It's your home institution. The NCAA is just like sort of there. So, I mean, sure, players want to get their likenesses, fine. I've got no opinion on this. I think uh, Andy said it best a little bit earlier when he sort of said, I couldn't care less about this and then kind of coughed. I think that's like my actual opinion 
on on the thing. Obviously, there is something that strikes me as not a lawyer in that given that this feels like different colleges in different states who pay each other and therefore achieve economic benefits that maybe having a patchwork collection of state laws is not great. And I suspect that perhaps one of the arguments against these laws will be precisely that. But I am not a lawyer. Our actual home lawyer from the blog uh, Wildcat is unfortunately not with us, so we don't have our ability to give you clear legal advice that should not be interpreted as legal advice on this. But it's just strange to me. And each time we get back to this notion of compensating players, we also make the assumption the only people who are going to get compensated. I mean, you can even break down your thing. It's not just the haves who get it. It's like people are not going to compensate the third string offensive linemen. What's interesting is because that's I'm not sorry. Apologies. I'm not arguing with that because that's definitely not happening. What's interesting is that this will actually benefit depending on not at every school non-rev athletes because the uh, the olympic athletes who are really good who compete in college will completely be able to sign endorsement deals yeah i suspect what was it was the god it wasn't johnny mosley the olympics the colorado the, the colorado, colorado yeah. skier uh who went through had a similar thing where he had to give up these kinds of endorsements i mean i think that's reasonable i find it a little bit odd that you can mandate that the likeness is fine but you can't override the notion that they could be like signed to an individual shoe company even if the team is signed to something else. That's just a little bit strange to me. And I don't mean it like it's strange and they can't do it. I just mean it's a little bit weird that you wouldn't go all the way to say that athletes should be able to have likeness on all of these things. I don't necessarily think it really changes the sport one way or another. I do suspect that the actual amount of money that a lot of athletes get or would get is substantially less than you expect it to be it will also be interesting to see how those licensing agreements function if the schools don't get cuts and this i think is actually far more of a question for football players than it is for anybody else in that uh, basketball players it's pretty clear who they are i mean they are not under a whole lot of protection but football players certainly are i mean for quite a few football players there's a pretty open question if most of the fans who are cheering them on could identify them out of a crowd yeah that's really true actually one consequence of that is, I mean, I don't necessarily know what the value of something is, particularly if it's, I don't know, I'm Tanner Morgan and I am here to support Maurer Chevrolet. Well, if I don't necessarily equate, equate Tanner Morgan with the University of Minnesota quarterback, and I suspect I'm not able to use University of Minnesota starting quarterback in my advertising because we've got some other things again not a lawyer that that might mean that the price for these is a lot smaller than you think that doesn't mean it's a bad thing like all of these things are fine again my view is similar to andy's earlier but it is interesting to me a lot of these things that the implementation of these details should in fact matter a lot and i think this is one of them the last thing that i will say that is is a separate point is I am going to be really amused when these laws come into place at the recruiting battles for basketball because uh, 
if shoe companies have power before and the AAU had power before, now imagine what happens if players are allowed to profit off their own likenesses and have been dealing with similar shoe companies and the same agent who is now going to help them negotiate that license for a long time. Again, not a reason why it's bad. It's not as if Kansas and Arizona, etc., are somehow magically not going to still be the same thing they were now that they get to offer likenesses, as you mentioned. But, whoo-hoo, that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I think basketball is where it'll get the most interesting, too, because it's just, that that's a sport where, as you said, you know, the, the players are much more recognizable and... Uh, it's a sport where moving towards the professional ranks, the individual uh, achievement and the individual brand is more prevalent anyway. So having that start in college. Plus, I mean, you've got players who are allowed to get out of college a lot faster. The top the top collegiate players are hopping to the NBA after their freshman year so. It's a, it's a situation where it becomes a natural bridge. Guys who know they're going to be in the NBA can profit early, uh, and then continue to profit once they once they end up once they end up there. It'll be interesting. I mean, I mean, think about it. Nike signs somebody to be a Nike spokesperson at a smaller level, and then they have them pre-inked, hopefully for when they move to the NBA. So, or alternatively, you know, really Nike is not allowed to put out a shoe that looks like jelly without compensating the people who made that particular shoe valuable. That'd be nice, too. That would also be cool. All right. Uh, Just a real quick plug. It is not Nebraska Week, obviously. Uh, But Nebraska Week is coming, and that means the broken chair is coming. So if you have not been paying attention uh, to the social media, or you're just not a social media follower, the broken chair trophy, the charity has been uh, really kicking back off in earnest over the last two weeks. Uh, As always, this is a fundraiser. It's a joint fundraiser between Minnesota and Nebraska fans, centered around kind of trying to bring back the Broken Chair as an official trophy, but also to raise money for the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital and the Team Jack Foundation at Nebraska. So uh, just get thinking about that. You can follow them on Twitter, but uh, also, also check out Broken Chair Trophy. Dot com if you're looking to get into that. We always like to plug. No, nobody from the blog is involved with the Broken Chair Trophy, uh, but we think it's a real cool thing. We love the trophy itself. We love the story behind it, the story behind the fans getting it restarted, and there's nothing wrong with a little bit of charitable uh, involvement. So, Before we get to Andy and women's hockey as well as men's hockey, volleyball, and other gopher sports, here's a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Andy, women's hockey opened with a, a sweep win uh, to open the season. Help me out. I wasn't able to follow it very carefully. What 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 happened for the women this weekend? Yeah, the Gophers women started their uh, season this weekend with a home series against Colgate. Uh, Colgate was either ranked number 10 or the first team out receiving votes, depending on which poll you looked at. And uh, Minnesota 
didn't really have any trouble with them. Uh, the Gophers got a shutout in the first Friday night game, 2-0. Uh, Maddie Wellington, freshman defenseman, uh, she was the preseason pick for WCHA Rookie of the Year, got her first goal in her first game as a, as a Gopher. Um, Sarah Potomac added the second one, and then there was a split in goal um, where uh, Sydney Scobie came in, uh, played the last two periods, um, got the win, got the shutout. And then Saturday, the Gophers jumped all over Colgate. Uh, they ran out to an 8-1 victory. Uh, Scobie playing the entire game on Saturday, getting the win. Uh, Olivia Knowles added a pair of goals. Taylor Heisey added a pair of goals. Grace Zumwinkle added a pair of goals. So it was, it was goals all around. Uh, and Knowles actually was named the WCHA Defenseman of the Week this week. Uh, two goals, two assists, um, leading the Gophers to a 2-0 Season start. They start conference play this weekend down in Mankato, and which should be two easy wins for the Gophers. God, first of all, it's too early for it to be hockey season. Although October is a little better, and it's already conference hockey season for the women. That's just weird to me. Uh, men, the men are getting their pre. All the preseason stuffs happening with for the Big Ten with the men's hockey team, right? Yep, that's right. The uh, the Gopher men. Uh, had their media week, day, whatever this week, uh, getting everything ready. Um, the preseason poll for the Big Ten came out, and Minnesota was ranked fifth this season in the preseason poll. Uh, Penn State came number one, Notre Dame two, uh, and then it was Ohio State um, three, Wisconsin four, and the Gophers five. So... Um, rest of the Big Ten coaches not really thinking very highly of the Gophers so far this season, but uh, with luck, they can try and exceed expectations. Um, Gophers also named their captains for the year this week. Uh, senior defense in Tyler Nanny and sophomore forward Sammy Walker will be the captains for this season for Minnesota. Uh, they get kickoff in action this Sunday. They play uh, their first exhibition game uh, against Mount Royal, which must be a Canadian university school whatever uh that's at five o'clock on sunday on btn plus if you have it uh and they right behind they kick off their regular season uh next weekend headed out to uh, colorado springs for a series at colorado college to start the 2019-2020 season volleyball sweep over the weekend and more importantly to me a big win uh it was at iowa tonight is that correct that's correct yeah the gophers three and on the big 10 now took care of indiana in damn near record time friday night easy sweep <laughs> three oh sweep i think they said the entire match took an hour and 15 minutes which when you figure they have a 10 minute break in between the second and third sets uh the, the Gophers basically won in, in less time than it took to play about a quarter and a half in, in West Lafayette on Saturday against Indiana. So uh, that was nice and fast. They uh, they added to the weekend with uh, a sweep of the Boilermakers, 3 nothing. So the Gophers did get the double dip uh, between football and volleyball on Saturday. Um, the interesting thing uh, Saturday is that the Gophers were without their starting setter, Kylie Miller, the UCLA transfer, uh, so they had to rely on a sophomore. Um, sorry, I'm 
just lost my sheet here. It was uh, Bailey McMenamin, sophomore out of Florida, stepped in, and uh, she did a great job and did so well that she was named Big Ten Center of the Week this week, uh, stepping in for the, the senior who had been leading the country in assists, I believe, after the first uh, few weeks of the non-conference season. And then, yes, as, as Chris said, it's the all-important. Uh, the Gophers looked a little more sloppy tonight, but did take care of business, winning 3-1 down in Iowa City to beat the Hawkeyes. Uh, they jumped to 3-0 and in the conference on the season, and they will uh, have what should be another pretty easy game this weekend on Saturday when they host Rutgers before a tough road trip next weekend uh, at Illinois on Wednesday night and at Wisconsin on Sunday. So two huge road games coming up uh, for the Gophers, but they should be able to get one more easy win over uh, Rutgers Saturday. I refuse to believe that Rutgers could possibly be bad at a sports ball thing. That seems so unlike Rutgers. Yeah, doesn't it though? But uh, believe it or not, they're they're not very good at uh, at volleyball. Do we have golf news? We do. Uh, I know it's a shocker to get golf news here, but the uh, Gopher men's golf team is is participating in their in their fall seasonal, uh, and the reason why it's it's making such big news is the Gophers went to the McDonald Cup in New Haven, Connecticut this past weekend and won their first team title in five years. Um, the Gophers had, have struggled as a team, to say the least, but uh, they, they went out and got a big win. And Angus Flanagan, uh, Jr., also took the individual crown. Um, he shot a 268 on Sunday to finish 6-under for the tournament, win his second tournament in his career at the U. Um, Flanagan, you'll remember, tied for the uh, Big Ten Championships last spring. So uh, things looking up for the Gopher men's team. Um, You know, Gopher women's team have their Annika Invitational, I believe, um, this weekend, which hopefully the weather will turn around a little bit more for them. Actually, sorry, they had it last weekend as well, so the weather was a little bit better for their their tournament last weekend. Uh, They finished 12th at the Annika Intercollegiate uh, held here in... uh, I believe Lake Elmo, um, and they, they get to go to uh, Virginia for a tournament this weekend, their last tournament of the fall before they take the winner off, and we'll start play up again in, in February. Angus Flanagan is a fantastic name for anyone, but that is a just a magical golf name. I he needs to win a national title just so just so that that name is etched onto uh, a trophy that can that can reside in the uh, athletic hall of fame at TCF Bank Stadium because Angus Flanagan that's a great name. It, yeah, golf, golf has some uh, really impressive names, but yes, you'd love to see Angus Flanagan making noise on the tour someday. All right, so we got to close out, which means it's prediction time for Illinois. Uh, I, uh, I'll i start us off. I, as I mentioned, I'm not worried about this game, but I do feel like it'll somehow end up being closer through something random. I'm going to go 35-28 Minnesota. Uh, I'd love to see us you know, have a week where we blow somebody out or win by double digits, but it hasn't happened yet, and until it does, 35-28 Minnesota. Uh, Andy, what do you got? Yeah, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a little wary of this game. Um, you know, Vegas doesn't seem to be as much. They've been uh, that the spread started out with the Gophers at I think it was fourteen and a half. Uh, at one point, it was down to thirteen and a half. Now it's pretty universally sitting right at fourteen. Um, 
you know, with the over-under being at 57, which seems, uh, you know, relatively accurate for this game. I think the weather is going to be uh, playing a role for sure. Um, whether that shuts down a little bit of the Gophers' passing offense, it, it's possible. Uh, but I do think they have got it into their heads that this Illinois team is a threat after a year ago, and, and they'll do everything in their power to uh, not let them embarrass them like they did a year ago. So I've got Minnesota winning 31-21, dropping the score a little bit because of the weather. Um, you know, the biggest thing for Minnesota is going to be stopping that run. Uh, Corbin ran all over him last year, and he's got the talent to do it if he's got some space and some holes. So the Gophers are going to need a good linebacker play from Thomas Barber and Kamal Martin to, to keep those, you know, potential 15, 20, 25-yard runs down to to three or four, and then uh, really take advantage and get some pass rush on Brandon Peters, who's really not very good. Um, you know, I think the Gopher offense should hopefully be clicking and, and should comfortably, question mark, win 31-21, but, you know, so far this season we haven't seen that comfortably thing be an actual thing. So hopefully maybe this week it will be. Street, what you got? I think the main matchup to watch this week is Carter Coughlin versus the official who refuses to call holds on the tackle who is <laughs> blocking Carter Coughlin. I I think in general the to be less facetious, the big matchup for me once again, and I agree with Andy, the linebacker play is going to be important. But I actually think the front four Minnesota's defensive line versus Illinois' offensive line is really going to be the most important matchup for this game. In part because if it's going to be wet and rainy, a lot of ability to get turnovers, to get fumbles, are situations where you get someone in the backfield or you get someone coming from the blind side on Brandon Peters. That strikes me as the most important matchup of the game. The second most important matchup of the game is Tanner Morgan versus Perfection. Last week, Perfection won, but it was close. Whether or not he will have a similar kind of performance that is, of course, incumbent on his receivers getting open and catching balls. But that intermediate passing game, particularly if it's wet, might be something that the Gophers will lean on a little bit more, perhaps fewer deep shots in part just because of the difficulty in throwing in heavy weather. So those are the two big matchups. I think that this game is 31-17 good guys. So the University of Minnesota wins on homecoming, which apparently is roughly the over-under score from Vegas. All right, you heard it here first. Gophers are going to win. Don't blame us if something else happens. But it won't because it's Illinois and I'm feeling confident. So, And on that note, go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat. <laughs>